If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, in terms of uh, Passion Week, we are moving forward from the events we typically uh, think of uh, on Palm Sunday to the cross itself. Now, in this passage, we are going to see really uh, illustrated the difference between Christianity and other world religions. We're going to see it in a couple of ways. I'm telling you up front because I want you to, to watch for this. One of the ways that is so explicit is, from a Christian perspective, we believe in a God who shares In suffering, God became man and suffered with his people. Now, typically, other world religions would go so far as to say, that's just blasphemous. First of all, the incarnation, God becoming man. But then to say that God suffers, and yet we see that at the core of, of what we believe. Our verse of the year, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And we include in that suffering that we face in this life. And so from a a Christian perspective, when we deal with suffering, we've got to start with that understanding That there is purpose, so much so that God himself showed us that he could accomplish that which was the most important thing for us, he could accomplish it through suffering. The other thing that we're going to see that distinguishes Christianity from the other religions of the world is we are going to see a salvation that is not based upon the works that we do. Other world religions, that's how you get to God. You work your way to Him. You do what He requires. You do what He commands. And then you hope against hope that you will receive some reward, that you've done enough that's necessary And Christianity says, no, that's not it. And we will see this illustrated on the cross. Now, I'm going to make an assumption here. And that assumption is that in some way, you are here because you want Jesus. Now, that may be because this is what you have done every Sunday of your life and you want more of him. You came to worship and to get to know him better. Or it may be because you are struggling right now and you need more of Jesus. Or it may be that you don't know him and you're curious or even skeptical. But you want to know more about him. Well, if that assumption is true in your life, I'm going I'm to ask you a, 
what will sound like a very strange question, but I want you to put this in your mind and, and to think about it as we go through this. If indeed you want more of Jesus, which of these thieves do you relate to the best? I don't want you leaving here saying, our pastor called me a thief, that's it for me, I'm not coming back to... I'm saying in terms of attitude, in terms of response, which of these do you relate to the best? We are reading in Luke 23, beginning with verse 32. This is on the cross. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull... There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. Soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, in, and we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today... You will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us in these moments to grasp why you saw fit to record these words of Jesus, of these criminals from the cross. Will you be our teacher, but more than that, will you open our hearts to you so we will have more of Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. Well, let's jump into it. We see the first thief, verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, this is basically the same thing that was said by the religious people that were standing there in the crowd. It's basically the same thing that the soldiers said, and here is this criminal 
right next to Jesus, saying this to him. Now, isn't that an awful question? Well, I would submit to you that all of us at some time have asked that same thing of Jesus. Let me give you some different wording for that question. We're more likely to ask it, God, if you're there, won't you get me out of this? God, if you're real, won't, won't you get me out of this situation? That's the prayer. They used to call it foxhole prayers. That's the, the prayer of the soldier in Afghanistan that is pinned down. But closer to home, that's the prayer of many who, who find out they have cancer. Or, or others who even unselfishly, for someone they love, call out in that way, God, won't you get him or her out of this situation? Now, some of you might be skeptical about Jesus today because you have asked that question in one way or another and he didn't answer it. That can cause one to be skeptical, but what you need to know is this. He usually doesn't answer that question. He didn't answer it to the the rulers who said that. He didn't answer it to the soldiers, and, or he didn't even answer the criminal there on the cross. You see, what, what none of them understood, and what we probably wouldn't understand either, in this situation, suppose he had answered that. You see, what none of those that were crying out to him, some of them in mockery, and, and maybe that criminal really was thinking, hey, it's, it's a shot. You know, if he is God, maybe, maybe he'll get himself and me down from here. In other words, looking at Jesus for what he could get out of him. But what that criminal didn't understand, and none of the others that understood, or that, that cried that out to him, didn't understand was that their only hope, their greatest hope, was if Jesus stayed on the cross. What if he had answered that? What if he had said, okay, I will show you that I am indeed God? He could have done that. But that was not the plan. That was not the gracious response. That was not the loving response. Instead, he didn't respond to that. If Jesus had come down, it would have caused untold misery and taken away that thief's only hope for salvation. Not only that, our only hope 
for salvation. He saved others. Let him save himself. The truth is, he saved others because he did not save himself. Now, contrast that with the second thief, verse 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember the impenitent thief, the one that, that was not repenting, acknowledged nothing about what he had done, nothing about his responsibility, nothing about the breaking of the laws of this land that he lived in. Even though he had broken those, he wanted to get off. This thief, the penitent thief, says... Absolutely, I deserve this. I'm getting what I deserve. By the way, you are too, he says to the other criminal. In fact, he would say if there's any adjustment to this scene of three crosses, there should, the, the adjustment to the scene, the change in this scene, should be that there should only be two crosses. And Jesus shouldn't be here. What we see is there's a whole crowd of people. There are religious people. There are soldiers. There's a thief. And the one who's getting it, the one who's understanding what is going on, is this criminal next to Jesus. Why? Well, the only explanation is God enlightened his heart. He wasn't any smarter than the other criminal or than the religious people or anyone else. Evidently, God was working in his heart. He had heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they they don't know what they're doing. Now, that, that wouldn't have been in all likelihood what he was thinking or the other criminal were thinking when they were being nailed to their crosses. But he would have heard that. And then, look what he says. Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Now, you know what's incredible here? He is professing that he believes Jesus has a future. Here he is. He is suffering and hanging on a cross. He knows he's not going to get down. Jesus is suffering and hanging on the cross. But he somehow believes that Jesus has a future. And he's saying, will you remember me? Now, look at what he doesn't ask for. He doesn't ask for anything for himself. He he doesn't say, hey, will you take me with you wherever you go? Or if there's an afterlife, will you take me there? He just says this. All I ask is, you know, I don't deserve this either. But all I ask is, will you you remember me? 
doesn't ask for anything else. He just wants to be remembered. The impenitent thief says, I want you to save my skin. I'm not worried about my soul. This thief says, you know what? I'm not worried about my physical well-being. It's my soul that matters here. Sadly, too many of us come to God like the impenitent thief. I've got a problem and I need you to fix it. This is what I need you to do. And then we proceed to tell him what would be best for us. Which, by the way, is contrary to our verse of the year. Which instead says, okay, we we know you know what's best. And you're the one that's got the purpose for us. If the Spirit of God opens your eyes, like he opened the eyes of the penitent thief... Your response is going to be more like, you know what, whatever problems I got here, forget my problems. Whatever problems I got, I I probably deserve them. What I need is Jesus. That's all the thief wanted was Jesus. He doesn't say, free me from my consequences of my breaking the law of the land he says free me from the consequences of my breaking your law he wants Jesus J.C. Ryle said one thief on the cross was saved that none should despair and only one that none should presume In other words, we see a thief on the cross that is saved and we ought to be encouraged. And some of you may think of yourself as bad people. Down deep, you know, if if you're honest, you may say, boy, if, if the people around here knew me, they wouldn't want me here in church. They knew what was in, inside of here. That's one reason I love the gospel of Luke. It, it keeps taking us back to the outlaws. You know, it's, it's the, the thieves, it's the criminals, it's the prostitutes, the tax collectors. And those are the ones that keep being embraced. Those are the ones that Jesus keeps coming to and, and dealing with. And you may, you may feel like, well, yeah, but... I think I'm one of the worst people around. You know, if you knew what was inside, nobody outside knows that. And, you know, and your friends say, oh, no, I know people worse than you. You're a pretty good person. Your therapist may be saying, you're good, you're fine. Don't worry. There's a lot worse people out there. But you know what? Someone's got to be the worst. <laughs> Someone is. But Luke is saying, the gospel is saying, so what if it's you? There is still hope. Now, you you need to really understand this, because I started out by, by talking about the thieves, and I don't want us to 
think we are here today sitting at the feet of two thieves who are doing all of the teaching and that, you know, one, you know, don't be like that thief, be like that thief. You know, that's not the message here. Although it seems his repentance and his faith was genuine. But the hero of this story is, is not the penitent thief. The hero of this account is Jesus. He's the hero. So what do we learn about him? Well, we learn that if this thief could be saved just like that, he never got to church, he never got baptized, never took part in any stewardship campaign, never taught Sunday school, didn't do any of those things, And yet, Jesus says, today, you'll be with me. If he could be saved without all the other, so can you. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done in the past. And that's what's different from other religions. This is grace, not works. He did not have the opportunity for works. Now look, some, some like to use him and they, they say, so he didn't even have any chance to show any of the fruit of the Spirit or show any work after he was saved. So how can you say that believers have to, uh, uh, that proves that their faith was genuine? You know what? Let me just throw this out there in terms of, yes, it's true, he didn't have a a whole lot of time. But that penitent thief has witnessed to thousands upon thousands of people down through the centuries. If that's not fruit from salvation, I don't know what is. There's another aspect that we we cannot ignore, and that is Jesus' word there about forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. For you who are already Christians, you need to forgive people who are hurting you. You've just got to. I mean, that's a, a part of the very nature of having Christ in us. That's what Christians believe is that when you, when you trust in Christ for your eternal life, then he dwells within you. And his very nature, when he was being murdered, his very nature was to forgive those who were murdering him. And so if you claim to have Christ in you, but you won't forgive people, then, then on what basis do you claim to have Christ in you? What kind of Christ is that? If that's his very nature. Some of you will say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. What you're saying is, well, I won't be the avenger, but I sure hope somebody does. doesn't work. You want to be freed up from bitterness, bitter spirit, you've got to let it go. Jesus 
not only forgives them, he wills their redemption. He wants what's best for them. In October of 2006, a little town called Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. You will remember, you won't remember maybe that name, but as soon as I say what took place, you will remember. A man pulled up to a one-room schoolhouse in an Amish community. He went inside. He told all the, the boys to get out. And he kept the girls inside of that schoolhouse, nailed the door shut. And before help could come, he began shooting. And he shot all ten of those little girls. And then he took his own life. Now I know you remember that. Five of the girls died. It it was... It was news that went all over the world because of the the awful act of violence. But the other thing that was truly amazing about it was that there were many stories about the violence. There were also many, many stories about the forgiveness of the people in that community toward the shooter and his family. It, It was as if these newspaper reporters had never seen forgiveness like this. And the sad thing is, they probably hadn't. It was real news. One from a council of ministers was there in the town as they were going through this. And there's no question it was sad. There was real, genuine grief. But immediately, immediately, there was also forgiveness. The night of the shooting, October 2nd, an Amish neighbor went to the home of the gunman who had taken his own life. And he said to the family, We forgive him. We forgive you. The rest of the community affirmed that at a later time. And they said to this family, we will be here for you. We forgive him. We uh, forgive you. You didn't do anything. We will be here. We don't want you to move away. We want you to stay here. And we will help you because you've lost the father and husband. We will help you financially. We will help take care of you. What the Amish said is we forgive because God has forgiven us. God extends his forgiveness to us in Christ. Then we must receive it. Once we do, we must share it with others, and then they lived it out before a watching world. A watching world saw Jesus forgive those who were murdering him, and they still stand amazed when they see it again in the forgiveness of his people.
Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus Christ looked down from the cross. He saw the people he was dying for. Some cringing, some snarling, all of them basically clueless. And in the greatest act of strength and love in the history of the world, he stayed. He stayed on the cross. When the thief saw that, when the thief saw that Jesus stayed, he knew that that was his answer. And it's your answer too. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for preserving the truth of that account of the thief on the cross that you worked in his heart and you you showed it wasn't about what he could do to earn his salvation. He could not. He had no hands to serve, no feet to run for you. Remind us of that, Lord. That it's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has done. And then, Lord, as he dwells in us, Will you give us hearts of forgiveness that the world will stand amazed at your grace? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.